Good to see everyone this morning. Amen. Praise God. It's exciting. It, it is. It's exciting to be with God's people and worshiping and praising the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, I just, uh, I'm just overwhelmed with just the, the beauty, the glory, the, the blessedness of the Lord that we have and just that we can experience for ourselves and that He just is with us. He's in us. And it's just such a, I have no words. Right? I, just, I want to keep singing that song. <laughs> That's what I want to do. I really do. I want to keep singing that song. I'm just, you know, and, and the other songs, they're amazing. And so praise the Lord. It's to glorify God that way. Well, there's no super church today, so I know you're excited to stay in the service. Right? He's like, no, I know super church is fun, but we have communion. We're going to have communion in a little bit. And, uh, and we're, we're, we're reading these scripture in John chapter 12, and we see this word, these words that we sang that, that Jesus said, If I be lifted up, lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. And I just want to share something that we've, um, you're familiar with, a lot of you, maybe some of you are not, but um, I have shared uh, this message in a different form uh, years ago, but I, I want to share it with you again. And just it came to my, my mind, my heart as I was preparing this week, and it was related to, and I'm going to kind of build on what, what, if you were at the mission a couple weeks ago, you, you, you heard a little bit of this, right? But I just want to encourage you and just remind you of how great our God is. Man, He's so good. He is so good. He's amazing. He deserves all our praise. So, we all know the verse, John 3.16, don't we? Right? I feel like I should bring this pulpit down because you're so far away. There's nobody here today in the front. I want to go down here for now, just for a minute, right? So, so John 3.16, we can all quote it, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life, right? He gives you that new life and it lasts forever, Right? And, and we, we can quote that. We love that. And a lot of times, and I encourage you to do this on your own, when you read that scripture, don't just in your mind go to John 3.16. What happens right before that and the couple of verses right after that are so important, right? Well, all of scripture is. But we miss it, right? Afterwards, Jesus says, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. Right? And we, we, we forget that. And then we, but God is that good that He sent Jesus to save the world. And he, Jesus says it with His own words. But we miss what starts it all, and it's verse 14 and 15. We don't think about it a lot of times. We might read through it, but oh, John 3 16, and it pops out, and we know it, and we just love it, and we quote it, and we tell other people, and we share it, and we see it at football games. We've heard that before, and different sporting events all over the place. John 3 16, and that's great. But verses 14 and 15 are what you really got to understand and know why Jesus said in the first place that God solved the world that He sent. His only son. Because God had an amazing plan. And we're going to get into that in just a moment. And of course, you know that before this, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he's curious. His curiosity is getting the best of him. And he wants to find out who Jesus is. And so he meets in secret, if you will, in the nighttime. And he meets with Jesus to ask him questions, spiritual questions. And Jesus discusses and talks to him about the new birth. And John, I mean, uh, Nicodemus is confused. How in the world can a man go back into his mother's womb a second time? And you know what it was like? I wrote this down because Jesus responds to Nicodemus and when he says, how can this possibly be? And Jesus responds like, and not always verbally, 
but I can read her mind. Like my wife does, after she makes a statement to me, repeats it in a different way to clarify, and I still don't get it, or maybe I don't want to accept what she said, you're my husband. We've been married for 23 years. How can you not understand? That's kind of what Jesus is saying. How can you not understand? You're, you're learned, you're religious, and you know the law, and you teach other people how can understand this spiritual matter. But he couldn't. He didn't totally get it. And so then Jesus says in verse uh, uh, 14, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. He already states this before John 3.16. He's lifted up, and if you believe in Him, you may have eternal life. He makes that statement loud and clear to Jesus. Now, let me, let me just do this little exercise, right? Anybody know what this is? What is this? It means help is on the way. Right? It's a rescue, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's like the symbol we have here in the U.S. that it tells us there is help and emergency medical services, right? And we have this, 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 this serpent on a pole. Sometimes you might see it with two serpents and wings on top and whatnot, right? Let me just tell you something. If you're familiar with this, I want to tell you a little bit about the fact that this goes back to Moses, now, people will argue that, and people will debate, and scholars, and cultural scholars, and Greek scholars, and other cultures about, well, actually, you know, it was the Greek God that healed, and he was a, and there's this truth. There's truth to that, that. But that came, if you do the research, that came a thousand years after what's recorded in the book of Numbers. We're going to go there in a little bit, because Jesus references that here. That happened a thousand years with the Greek gods. This was already a plan that was in motion. That there's, if you look and you see this sign, you know that there's help, there's relief, that help is on the way. It's on every ambulance that goes by, right? You want help. Did you also know, just to get your thoughts going here, that when you look for a first aid station, wherever that is, what do you look for? A cross. It's a cross. There's a reason for that, because it's all God's idea to rescue, to heal, to save, to restore. That's God's heart and His plan, and that's all coming from God. That's His heart, that's His desire for humanity that is broken, sinful, and going into an eternity without Him, unless there's the cross, right? Unless there's the, the serpent that's lifted up on the pole. And so, um, Asclepius was this God, right, of healing for the Greeks. And he's, that's, that, is, that is what is on this, this pole here that we see the sign of, of the, the emergency medical services. And, right, and later Hermes. There's all kinds of, with the wings over the two serpents. And, again, I understand all that if you're curious about the history. But it all starts with Moses and God's whiny, annoying, complaining, sinful people. And God had a plan that involved this symbol. And so Jesus, when he's talking to Nicodemus, he tells him that salvation, that help for the soul comes and the spirit comes only through a savior. And Nicodemus was looking right at him. So Jesus goes in verse 14 and he goes back in history to an Old Testament event, right? Numbers chapter 21. I won't read everything there, but I'll just paraphrase and tell you the story. 
Nicodemus understood. Because as an expert in the Old Testament, Jesus goes back and he goes to this event that occurred thousands of years prior to Jesus having this conversation. And after their deliverance from slavery in Egypt, which is filled with all kinds of types and symbology and symbols, I should say, about who Jesus was and how salvation, redemption would come for us as people of faith in the New Testament. The people were in the desert, God's people, and they're wandering around. And they were tired of the food, which was manna. And it was divinely given. Right? God sent it down from heaven, this mystery bread, we'll call it, right? Divine bread, the bread of angels, just different terms that have been used. And God sends this and he sustains and nourishes his people. By the way, if you're thinking, and if you want to make that connection, you probably already have, that John, Jesus said in John chapter 6 that I am the bread of Right, I came down from heaven. In that chapter, he says, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness that which came from Moses. When you were with Moses, God sent it down to sustain you and to keep you. But he said, I am the bread of life. Right, And he came down from heaven. He explains that in his teaching. And there's a connection there. And so God gives, graciously provides for his people while they're wandering in the wilderness. And then, with the amazing grace that God gives them, they go... Your grace stinks, God. No, I'm being serious. That, that's what they did. We don't want that. That's not good enough. And you know what? Our stomachs, we're sick and tired of your amazing grace every single day of this manna coming down. And we're sustained and we're alive and we keep going forward because of you and your grace. And God says, oh my goodness, I can't even believe this. I'm providing for you and you're turning against me and you're rejecting my grace. You're rejecting my grace, my provision for you to keep going. I'm sustaining you. And so as they're going in Numbers 21, they complain about this. They complain about the fact that they're, they're tired of wandering and they, they've been left out to die and they sin. They complain against God and Moses. And, and now God, in, in, in His anger and frustration, frankly, because He can't tolerate that sin, He sends serpents among them. That's what happens in Numbers 21. And these serpents are released and they're, they're fiery snakes, it says in the Bible. They're venomous. And God sends them and they begin to bite the people and they are suffering and some are perishing. Right? There's so much symbolism and there's a picture here for us to relate to even as we prepare ourselves from communion in just a little bit here. God does not make the snakes go away while this is happening. And the people come to their senses after they realize what's happening. And they look around at the effect of the poison. And what the snakes have done. And people are perishing. And all of a sudden, there is repentance. You know what they say? Please ask for God to take these, but intercede for us. We realize we have sinned against you and God with our words. By saying, God, your manna stinks. It's not good enough. We don't like it anymore. And yet it was everything they needed to keep going. How many times have you been in that position Oh, maybe not verbally that you proclaim while you're singing with God's people, God, I'm so sick and tired of always singing about salvation and knowing how great your salvation and your grace is every day and you give us your word to sustain us all the time. I'm just, I want something new. I want something different. I'm tired. And God's like, I'm keeping you and I'm going to take you all the way home until you're with me. 
You're still you're not you're not home yet, but you're on the way. Right. And you're whining and complaining. And then all of a sudden that sin enters and 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 it affects us negatively. And we start to feel its sting and its pain and and it starts coursing through our veins. And it's not the not a pleasant experience. And some of us and most of us come to our senses, if you will, and we realize what we've done. We say, God, please forgive us. Make a provision for the sin. Wash it away. And there has been, and we'll get to that in a minute, of course. So God doesn't remove the stakes, right? He tells Moses to make a brass serpent and put it on a pole. A brass serpent on a pole so that everybody... And anyone who would look on that snake would be healed from their snake bite. And they would live, the Bible says in Numbers 21, that they would live. It's amazing to me. I don't know if you ever thought about this. We have a medical emergency. A physical emergency going on. And I mean, people are dying. Maybe some faster, some slower, because we're all different. By the way, there's an amazing picture there that some of us, and by the way, you might think I'm getting away with sin. But there's this slow, slow death coming. With some people, they can tolerate their physical makeup. They're more fit. They're stronger. Their genetics, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, they can tolerate that long. But in the end, that sin will destroy them. Right? And for some of us, it's like instant. A matter of hours, all of a sudden, we just we go into shock. And our nervous system breaks down physically. And everybody reacts to a snake bite differently as far as how fast or how quickly. But it will do its damage. It will. And I'm blown away because God says, yeah, I see what's going on, but you know what, Moses? Take your time, take some brass, and make a serpent. What? There's death. There's pain. There's suffering all around. And take your time and make this serpent while people are dying and, there, and do it purposefully with brass and make it and shape it in the image of what you're seeing as a serpent and put it on the pole? That's ludicrous. That's ridiculous to the natural mind and to even these people if they would have heard that. That's crazy. And when we look at that, we think, how can that possibly be? But you know what? God has a plan. Let me ask you, did you ever think about this? Why did it take all those generations and thousands of years before Jesus came? Because God had a plan. God had a plan. He had a plan, and it was going according to his purpose. And I don't know all the ifs and whys, and I can't answer all those completely and totally. And a lot of us probably can't, and even scholars can't in many ways. And we can explain things, sure, we look through Scripture, but you know what? God had a plan of salvation. And can I be honest? It was kind of ridiculous. In the, to the human mind, and when you look at this, and it's no different that 1,500 years later, approximately, after Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, after Moses raises up the serpent on the pole with people dying of snake bite, venomous snake bites, Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. What a I'm just, I'm being free here, but what a ridiculous plan of salvation. Do you know how I know it's ridiculous to those who, who like to the humans and the natural? Because Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness. That's ridiculous. You want me to believe in the cross and that, that Jesus was hanging there and I'll live forever and I'll have everlasting life? Look to the serpent while I've been bit by one. 
and be saved and live? That's ridiculous. God has a plan. It's going according to the plan. And he gives instructions according to that plan. And he wants us to obey in faith. Because Paul said, but to those of us who are being saved, that cross, Jesus being lifted up, is the power of God. Power of God. Not something man would make up and look at, but, but God did this and he had this. And even in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 11, the apostle Paul says that the cross is a stumbling block. What? That's, that's so ridiculous. How could you possibly want to believe that? It's foolishness. There's no way. You know what? The more you keep thinking that, and, and if you don't look at the serpent, if those who were bitten by the snake were thinking that and they didn't look, they perished. All they had to do was look. But I'm so weak. The venom is taking its toll, and I can hardly open my eye. And it, the Bible says, you just look. If you look, fix your gaze on that. Fix your gaze. You will be saved. The same is true with Jesus. And it's an ongoing thing because sin affects all of us. And it's so important to recognize and for us to know that God doesn't play games with sin. He's holy. He's just, right? And the Son of Man, He had to be lifted up. Jesus had to be lifted up first because He was lifted up on the cross just as Moses lifted up, was lifted up to the serpent on the, on the pole. Listen, there's only one remedy for the snake bite that was killing the people in the wilderness one oh we hate this kind of exclusivity right we want more than one way we want other ways to gain eternal life everlasting life i should say we want that people want that we want to determine how that looks but god has a plan and it required one way and only one way you look at the serpent on the pole it's one the brass snake on the pole you didn't look you didn't live only jesus can heal and cure the bite of sin right and he is the antidote to that bite quite frankly now listen here's the thing about sin we don't like that term and you hear it less and less honestly it's mistakes or i i messed up let me let me just read something that i i, I read from a pastor and, and and this is what he said he says our sins are not mere weaknesses they are wickedness it's not just weaknesses let's stop it with that anymore it's wickedness we find ways to explain and justify. And then when we do that, suddenly we can find other ways to deal with that. And we don't look to the cross. We don't look to the only solution, Jesus, who's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Only one. He further, he says, they are not me. This is talking about sins. They are not mere flaws in our personality. That's another line that people use, right? They're not flaws in our personality. They are mortal faults. In our person. Sins are not mistakes. They reveal the malady of the human heart. Sin is not just a defect in personality. It is a disease of the soul. Serious stuff. And the only antidote is one Savior. One place. The cross where Jesus is lifted up, and Jesus was lifted up. And so it says in 2 Corinthians 5.20 that God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. 
Listen, notice too that the serpent was in the sight of all the people. I don't have to say much, but if we just celebrated Easter recently, the resurrection of Christ, and his crucifixion before that, and Jesus was raised up, and he was on that hill for all to see. It was a spectacle of sorts, if you will. He was raised up so all could see. And there was, a, there was this proclamation made that he was the king of the Jews in three languages. So all the cultures that came through with the different languages, they understood who Jesus was. It was proclaimed and he was there for all to see. He was lifted up in the sight of all the people. The serpent saved a human life, the physical body, right? But Jesus saves the soul. And again, the means or the way to that cure was a simple look to that serpent on that pole. It's obedience to God is what it is. It's faith. And you look to Jesus by faith, and there's a cure for our sin. I'm telling you things that, that you probably know, or a lot of you know, but it, it's worth reminding ourselves as we approach communion. Because in Romans chapter 10, we know that, that Paul said how we receive that salvation. We believe in our heart and we profess with our mouth, right? And, and, and that is what it takes. Faith and professing that and looking to Jesus. And notice this too, that that serpent in the wilderness was temporary. But Jesus is eternal. And he is the cure that's perpetual and ongoing. And, and he does, it, his power doesn't run out to not be able to cleanse you and to be the antidote for your sins even today. Hebrews 10, 12 says, But when this priest, talking about Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. It was done, it was complete, and it's ongoing. It's perpetual. Look, there on that cross, he was nailed to that tree, right? He was nailed to that cross. He suffered and he died for you and for me. He was lifted high above the onlookers and they, they, they mocked him even until his last breath, didn't they? He had to be lifted up for all to see. There could be no doubt that Jesus suffered and he died and the soldiers even tested Jesus to make sure he was dead when they poked him in the side with the spear, didn't they? And when they realized he was dead they didn't break his bones a fulfillment of prophecy and so jesus was lifted up on that cross to be our one-time sacrifice and those who look upon him and looked upon him and believed in him would have life sin is all about us it's all over the place the venomous snakes are all around us all the various sins and forms of sin and it's always close and we're getting attacked and bitten and it's around us and we have this remedy named jesus christ and that's why i love first john 1 9 right that if we confess our sins right this is the truth he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness it's ongoing as God's people, because we do get bitten by sin. The Bible, this is an interesting thing. The Bible forbids, right, the worship of any graven image or relic, correct? Wow, you're convincing. Well, none of us are idolaters. The Bible forbids the worship of any graven image or relic or anything besides God Himself. Period. It's one of the commandments, the Ten Commandments. And it's critical, it's important. And listen, this is an interesting little factoid that we can, it's a truth 
that 700 years after Moses raised this bronze or this brass serpent on the pole, 1 Kings chapter 18 records that King Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. And it says, there was no one like him in verse 5 among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. In verse 6, he held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses. Do you know what Hezekiah did shortly after that? He broke into pieces that metal serpent that Moses made because it became an object of worship for the people of Judah. That's what he did. Jesus is the object of our worship. Not the cross. Not the symbol. Not the picture. Jesus himself. Or any other stuff. It's Jesus is the object of our worship and Jesus is the one who is the cure. It's forbidden. I know we have a cross hanging here. We don't worship the cross. The cross is a reminder that Jesus was there for us and we celebrate him and we praise him that every time we look to that cross, which he's not on anymore because he's alive, right? But his, his substitutionary death on the cross in our place for us was enough that every time we look and we confess and we repent and we say, like God's people did to Moses, please go to God. We've sinned against you and God. We realize that. We've sinned. We're sinners. There's forgiveness. There's washing away. You will live. You continue to live and God sustains you as you keep your eyes on Him and He remains the center of your life. You know, Jesus was lifted up just not on Calvary. But I want to remind you that Jesus was lifted up another way. He was lifted up three days after He was put into that grave when He died. He was lifted up for all to see, but then three days later, he was raised and lifted up. And, not to, not to, and in doing so, he defeated sin, death, and the devil. And Jesus was lifted up for all to see. He walked around with people on the road physically after his resurrection. He was visible. He showed himself to his disciples when he rose into the heavens, and many saw him do so when he ascended to go to be with the Father. And now, when people looked upon Jesus and believed they truly would have the darkness and the sting of, of the, the, the venom of sin removed from them for all time. Jesus became, if I could put it this way, the darkness remover that no human could ever have been and to bring us into the light and to be the light in our lives. He had to be perfect, and He was. He had to be sinless, and He was. And He had to be the Son of God, and He is the Son of God. And he's placed on that pole and he's lifted up. And now we who believe and look to him in faith are lifted up as well. Amen. Philippians 2, 9-11 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Now let me just remind you that the verses prior to verse 9, they talk about the fact that Jesus humbled himself and he became a slave in human flesh, in form, right? And he took it upon himself even to the point he suffered to death on the cross. The cross is mentioned there again. That, that tree. And it says that after that, God exalted him and lifted him up. That at the name of Jesus, verse 10, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus was lifted up after he was buried 
from the dead and into heaven. And He's there at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and me nonstop, 24-7, that when we look and we focus our attention on Him and we call out to Him, our sins are washed away. He is the antidote to sin and its sting. But before we partake in communion, I want to share with you another thing and a certain lifting up that has to happen with us. And it's a lifting up that needs to be completed before the day comes when Jesus lifts all of us up to be with Him for all eternity. Here's what it is. The Son of Man, Jesus, must now be lifted up by you and me. We are to lift Him up before others. And and the way that that bronze snake was lifted up, frankly, God wants us to lift up the Son Son of Man before men. He wants us to tell others that when they believe in the promises attached to Jesus, the poison of sin will be swept away. Sorry, I'm just thinking about yesterday's service. The antidote to sin is to believe in Jesus' sufficient sacrifice in our place on the cross and repenting of our sins. See, in Moses' day, people were dying because they were bitten by the poisonous snakes. And they could physically see the effects of that poison as they called out to God in fear and trembling and they were willing to do whatever God asked simply for the chance to live. The people who do not believe in Jesus today do not realize that they have been bitten by the poison darkness of sin. And yet we look around us we look around our world, look in our families, we look in our communities, and the evidence of the poison is so clear. People are dying all around us. They don't know where to look. They haven't been told where to look. They haven't, pre- they haven't pre- been presented with the Son of Man that's been lifted up on the pole that they might with faith look and be cleansed and saved and rescued. We're all dying. There's a fun thought. We're all dying. Nothing in life comes easy to us, does it? This world is constantly in turmoil, and the people of this world, they, they know enough to look for answers, right? They try to find answers and solutions, and the thing is that they, and sometimes even we, we are looking in the wrong place. You know, like by personal efforts or innovative, inventive ways to save the planet and our lives and prolong our lives so we live to be 600 years old and we'll do it by freezing ourselves and send us to outer space and then bring us back and we'll be alive again after 600 years. I'm just, this is how it works. Because how can they find, think about that, besides their personal efforts, how can they find and how can we find anything when we reflect and we try in our own way? How can we find anything when we're in darkness? Can't. They need the light of the world. They need Jesus to shine through the darkness and help them see their need for the one true Savior. 
they need to see that even as we all do, that sin kills. We don't like that thought. It's not pleasant. No, it's not. Just like it wasn't pleasant to have the venom of those snakes symbolizing sin running and coursing through the veins of those people in the wilderness. You and I confess our sins, I hope you do, confess our sins before our Lord and receive His grace and forgiveness daily. We ought to. It's the only place our cleansing comes. It's when we go back to that cross over and over and over and see the Son of Man lifted up. And when we say, God, we have sinned against You and Your Word and Your ways, forgive us. And we have an intercessor. His name is Jesus. We confess even though we know that we are no longer... Think about this. If you're a believer in Christ and you're born again, we are no longer condemned thanks to the shed blood of Christ. But we still feel the effects of the venom of sin. And now, it is time for others to know that they can no longer stand condemned and will no longer stand condemned if they believe in Him. Will you and I lift up Jesus for all to see? It's time. Now, today, every day, for Jesus to be lifted up before others, again, so that they believe and they escape the death that comes with sin. See, that's what communion's all about. In front of you, you have your little your cups. You can take those in the front of your seat. And I want you to hold that. I don't want you to partake yet, but I want you to take that. Actually, I'm going to grab mine. Mine's down here. If you need a gluten-free cup with the wafer, Ryan will, will just raise your hand. Ryan will serve you. We have a gluten-free. See, communion is a proclamation, right? It's telling something. It's proclaiming something. It's a, it's a declaration publicly. A speaking out, if you will. It's preaching. There's teaching behind communion. It's a proclamation. And you know what ultimately communion is? It's a lifting up by the church of Christ. It really is. By disciples of Jesus who have been born again by faith in Christ and that recognize and know that He is the only antidote to sin. No one else, nothing else, no place else but the cross. And when we think about what He did for us, all we can do is just bow and say, God, I love You and I adore You and I worship You and there's no one like You. Your plan was so ridiculous, but it's so perfect. And at just the right time you came, as the Apostle Paul said, for me and for humanity, when it was no longer, when people realized there's no law, there's no effort, no works that would ever, ever satisfy or lead us to our rescue and redemption from sin and all of its curse. Jesus comes. And he's lifted up for you and for me. I'm going to ask the praise team to come. And as they're coming, we're going to, we're going to listen to this, to this. It's a new song as well. They're just going to play. You stay where you are. We're going to, we're going to reflect. We're going to listen to the words. We're going to call out to God. 
and then we're, and I'll come back in a minute, and we're going we're gonna to partake. But before I sit down, I want to read to you what we typically read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26. Paul said, For I received from the Lord that which I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, He took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. For whenever you eat this bread, I'm sorry, and in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. We're lifting him up again. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's lift him up. Let's listen to these, these words. Oh, 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 oh. 
are you suffering? Are you feeling just the sting of the venom of sin in your life right now? I mean, how much longer do you want to keep doing that? How much longer do you want to keep doing that? I want to go into all your faces and just be like, look, look, there's rescue, there's salvation. It came at the right time, and the right time might be right now for some of you. And you've just been struggling, and you said, I don't even have strength to muster up and say, God, I'm sorry. You don't have to use your words. Let your heart cry out to God and look to Him and look to the cross. He's the antidote. He's your Savior. He'll wash away your sins. Confess and just say, you know what? I've sinned against you, God. Look to Him and His His sacrifice is sufficient. Look. Help has come. It's come. Don't wait. And when you take that cup and we take that bread just now, we're going to lift up Jesus and remind ourselves that every time sin touches us, we look to Him again as the antidote for all our sins. Amen? Don't wait. Take that top film off, and if you would take the bread in your hand. Father God, we thank you for coming for us through Jesus Christ. Thank you you sent him. That you came and that you took on flesh. You lived a perfect life. And then our place died on the cross. Lifted up in your body for all to see. Mocked, scorned, ridiculed. The list goes on. All for us. Thank you, Jesus. Let's eat the bread together. Lord, when we realize who we are compared to you, and we're honest, we're undone. You're holy, you're just, you're powerful. And yet you're so loving and you're so good. And so thank you for that perfect plan where your son was lifted up. And thank you for his shed blood that poured down so that our sins could be washed away. And we praise you for that. And we exalt you and lift you up today and say thank you. All praise and glory and honor to you for your amazing, awesome, perfect, yet to the world foolish plan. Let's drink of the cup. I know we're at the close of our service, and I think we should have the team play that song again. It's a great song. You can leave. The music's playing. Do whatever you got to do, but they're going to play that. And if you just want to reflect, you want to stay, and you just want to keep looking to the cross, do business with God, you do it. No one's going to worry about you and care about you. You stay. I encourage you to do that. Don't rush out. If you got to go, leave quietly and just fellowship out in the foyer. Amen. God bless you. Let's lift up Jesus so that all can see him. Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a great week.